I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's the My First Gig podcast. Whoa. Sharing stories of first gigs and shows. Comedians sharing their memories. The fun and entertaining, exciting and crazy. Happy birthday to me, happy birthday to me, happy birthday dear Dwayne, happy birthday to me. Hello guys and welcome to the My First Gig Podcast. I am your host Dwayne Dugan and I just sang happy birthday to myself. It's my birthday today. Thanks for coming to my party. Hopefully it's my best attended one yet. Which would be 12. Just leave your presents at the door, or if they're gift cards, just send them to Dwayne at myfirstgigpod.com. Okay? Okay. My guest today is the wonderful Sean Walsh. Sean is a fantastic comedian who I'm sure you're all very well aware of, and I'm delighted to bring the chat today. I was wondering whether or not to release the chat as we recorded this at the Vodafone Comedy Festival in Dublin in July of 2018. It's a hectic weekend, and it's a fun weekend. We're all just kind of, you know hanging around watching shows and unfortunately trying to drag him away to a quiet corner didn't prove well i just finished my big gig that day he was just about to head to his big gig so we got half an hour in between to sit down but it was in the busy backstage area where there were tons of comedians and people roaming around which you will hear in the background so it's and i can go on record and say this will be the noisiest episode so if you can put up with this then the rest of them you'll absolutely adore so sean's clear enough and interesting enough that you drain out the rest and enjoy it so hopefully you don't mind but yeah this is a great chat as to why i love this format i like this format of asking you the different questions the questions that rather than just having an answer or something it's actually diving into people's memories that maybe they haven't talked about in quite some time and a really good memory comes up for sean towards the end which i won't spoil but you know he remembered during the chat and what an answer it was so just tune in for that that's great yeah, so it's my birthday today. I am 32 years old. Any birthday memories? I was just talking the other day about my 21st birthday. We had a big party up in a rugby club in Cove, where I'm from. But a few of my friends came around to my house for a little pre-party with like the family. And the family went up to set up. And they had loads of beer in the house. And you could tell we were poor at the time because we were like, oh my god, more than six bottles of beer. There were a couple of crates there and we didn't want it to waste it on everybody coming back and drinking it later on in the night. So we're selfish as well. We're knobheads and poor and 21. So imagine how annoying that is. If, if you're 21 and poor out there, please still listen to this episode. So we took a couple of crates up to a forest near the rugby club to drink them so that we could get enough beer. Like, it was my 21st birthday. People were probably going to buy me beer at the event. My mother definitely, you know, wouldn't let me go thirsty. But, yeah, we sat in the forest drinking all the beer and ended up missing the party. We were only maybe about a minute or two away from the place. But once I started getting texts from people saying, hey, had to leg it, stayed as long as I could. Sorry I didn't catch you. I'm like, oh, we better go. So I missed all that. I have a, I have a great picture of my fifth birthday. My mother bought me a Bart Simpson cake. It was just Bart Simpson's head 
as a cake and I love icing on a cake so you know when you've got all that you know yellow color it's just icing the whole way around but I couldn't help myself so I kept going into the fridge or whatever and just picking little bits off thinking that nobody would notice and there's a picture of me blowing out the candles on the actual birthday and if you look at the cake little five-year-old me thought nobody notices it looked like he'd been stabbed a thousand times and then obviously set on fire with the candles but yeah that's kind of funny a funny i don't know when it was maybe my 25th birthday i was in college and we went to lily's bordello here in dublin it was the only time i was ever in lily's bordello if you don't know lily's it's like a it's like you say where all the celebs go but like it's irish celebrities so you know z-list celebrities but it's my only time in there and we're going around it's my birthday people are buying me drinks felt real cool and then unexpectedly because i don't know how to chat to women a girl that i was you know kind of you know asked to come back to mine and i'm like okay we go home and how do i explain this and in my college days i wasn't too tidy shall i say and i don't understand why i don't remember why but the college elections were going on you had to go vote for whoever you voted for in the college elections and it had all of their pictures on it and for some reason I was part of the cleanup for that team and just shoved all of the leftover slips into a bag and then later on needed that bag so I just tipped the bag out and it went all over the floor and of course this girl's picture is on that and she walks into the room and just looks down and sees hundreds and hundreds of her face looking up at her face looks at me and it's like oh my god I'm going to be on the cover of the newspapers tomorrow and she stayed in my bed and made me sleep on the couch happy birthday to me so yeah so there's some uh that's some birthday memories let's hope today is a better one and it will be better if you if you just listen to this it's a leap year this week february 29th i was looking up some weird leap year facts because i was like oh i could save it for a leap year episode but it turns out that the next leap year that occurs on a wednesday will be 2040 a little over 20 years from today and let's be honest Podcasts might still exist in 2040, but we'll all be dead after the incident. Speaking of birthday memories on leap years, it's my girlfriend's dad's birthday on a leap year. So he gets to celebrate this Saturday. But it was also one of my friends growing up, Charlie. Well, his name was Owen. We called him Charlie. I, I still don't know why. It was his birthday on February 29th. And I remember when he was turning 17, 18, he used to smoke. And he, after he used to go up to older lads and get them to buy him cigarettes but on the 28th of february he got so excited and he walked right into the local shop and was like give us 20 john player blue and they were like show us your id and he showed him the id and they're like you're not 18 and he's like well no it's a leap year i don't have a, a birthday this year it was february 28th no your birthday is the day after february 28th and he's like no my birthday is the last day of february the day before march 1st and they were just like your birthday is only once february 28th occurs please leave this store and i've never seen a man so upset to have a birthday or not have a birthday I, I was trying to figure out why there's that kind of rule that women are allowed to propose to men on leap years and i found out so much stuff real good stuff it says that if a woman proposes to a man on the leap year and if the man refuses he is then obliged to give the woman money or buy her a dress now if you're a woman and you're listening to this propose to every single man you see this saturday and then when they say no they might say yes propose to a man you know who doesn't want to marry you and then make him give you money 
However, it says in upper class societies in Europe, if a man refuses marriage, he must then purchase 12 pairs of gloves for the woman, suggesting that the gloves are a way to hide the woman's embarrassment of not having an engagement ring. I don't know why one glove wouldn't work, never mind 12 pairs. But then it says in Ireland, which is where I am, the tradition is supposedly to originate from a deal that St. Bridget struck with St. Patrick. Like, I didn't even know the two of them were knocking about together. Never mind the fact that she proposed to him. That was St. Patrick and St. Bridget, yeah? Getting their holy on? Were they both saints at the time? Or was that just a coincidence? Or did one of them get become a saint because they married the other? I don't know. There's another rule then in Aurora, Illinois, in the United States, that single women are deputized on February 29th, and they may arrest single men subject to a $4 fine. So that's not quite the same as just... Maybe it is the same. You know, when it says that if he turns you down, you have to give him money. He has to give you money or buy a dress. doesn't say how much money. At least this way you know that you're going to get a $4 fine. You don't risk any creepy guy saying, yes, I'll marry you. And just arrest a ton of them. You arrest 10 men in a day, on a particular day, at $4 an arrest. You know, you've made profit. So there we go. So that's my birthday and leap year memories. It's Ja Rule's birthday. On February 29th, remember Ja Rule? Whoever thought that he'd be mentioned in this podcast. It was also when Bruce Lee died, Alexander the Great. No, this can't be right. Oh no, they died at 32. Oh, Richard III, John Bonham, Keith Moon, all the musicians. Bill Hicks, big comedy hero for most of the people I'm talking to, I assume. Yeah, he's dead. You know who's not dead? My guest today, that's right. Let's get into it. Sit back, relax. Wish me a happy birthday and listen to my first gig with Sean Walsh. No, 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 no. One of the best movie experiences I've ever had. Movie to be more accurate, okay. so cinema experiences. It was, it was, it's, it's a ride, and I saw it in four D. Yes. So vibrating chairs. Um, it, when it slowed, it the, the screen slowed. It, it was incredible. I was clapping. Yeah. It, I thoroughly recommend it. Best action film since Cruises Edge of Tomorrow. Tom Cruise, he just he just knows how to do it. You you came down a couple of years ago. You did Sky Art stuff here, didn't you? Oh yeah, yeah, down in Bray, wasn't it? So I did a short for Sky called Detox, and it was set in Bray. Yeah, yeah. why did you choose Bray? Be- because I had the 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 fi- the story sort of based on an actor who's trying to detox, uh, and well, no, that's the story. It's an actor who's trying to detox, and he goes to Bray, and then he bumps into his cousin Fred. And that all goes up the wall. And that's basically what happened. I was doing the Bray Comedy Festival and trying to behave. And then Fred Cook <laughs> happened to be on. And so basically that's what it is. It's just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah. What do what you, what you like about the, uh, the Irish audiences? Well, do you know what? I've only touched words because I've got a gig later. But I've only ever had a good time here. And it just seems to... I feel like the, the act connects with the crowd here in some way. I think Fred has said that to me, Cook. And so... Yeah, I love it. And I also feel, you know, I get on with the comics as well. And I think when you're, when you're happy being at a place, then you're probably, you know. They can feel that. You're they can probably better. Yeah. yeah it all... Not very nice. We're going to talk your, your first gig, but before we do, what was your first ever memory of comedy? I can barely remember, but my mum used to uh, sit me down when I was very, very, you know, a toddler or whatever. And Chaplin and Laurel and Hardy shorts used to be on television in the mornings yeah so i'd watch that and then my next experience would be whose line is it anyway okay uh and then jim carrey 
And then the real Jim Carrey was so I would learn all the words to Ace Ventura and Dumb and Dumber, and try. I could I would practice in the mirror for hours, being able to do all of Jim Carrey's faces. I could do. I, I would really like learning that that I'm doing my eyebrows up and down now. I, that that was you know I'd be ten years of age in the mirror holding one eyebrow eyebrow down, raising both but holding that one down, and all the, all that sort of stuff. So and then and then. And then when I was 11, 12, my friend lent me Lee Evans' The Ultimate Experience on VHS. And that was the real, that was stand-up comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I'd never seen before. And that, that was the game changer. Even when watching the films as a child, you yeah, wanted to be the performer then because you tried to reenact what you saw. There was an element of that, yeah. But, you know, these guys were making me feel so happy. And is there any better feeling than, you know, Laughing as a as a kid, and you and you go, I want to, I I want to do what to to people what they're doing to me, and I experienced that from a very young age. Yeah, but VHS probably the first then stand up you say. Yeah, that was yeah. How long until you actually went and saw stand up, and you were in the room and it happened? And well, do you know what I saw? I then when I was about sixteen, saw I think it was Brighton Comedy Festival, and I saw Lee Evans, Jack D, and uh, Jeff Green, all sort of all three of them. Uh, you know, they're, they're, all of their acts, uh, they've got observational comedy in there. Yes, Jeff Green, especially, you know, and, and Lee Evans, and, well, and Jack D, no, there's no especially. And but, he would have been on TV a lot of the time. And yeah, so I went to these big concerts, right? And the, the thing is, is that it never occurred to me. It, it, this, it was weird because this doesn't sort of make sense. There's no logic to what I'm about to say. But I thought you could only be a stand up if you were famous. Obviously, that doesn't make sure. any sense because. Yeah, you'd have but to yeah, start there, at there some point. There was a top level, and yeah. that was it. Exactly. You were on TV exactly. as a comedian. That was it. So yeah. you can't do that. You just go watch that and enjoy that and imagine, just just imagine being able to do that. And then when I was, I would have been 17, because I, I remember being underage, my mum and uh, friends of the family took me to the local comedy club in Brighton called Comedia. And Stephen Grant, who's a good friend of mine now, I think the best uh, MC in, in the UK, is uh, he was on, and he was talking to the crowd, and he wasn't famous, and no, yeah, no disrespect to Stephen, it was. I looked and I was like, oh my god, I, I could do this yeah. in a club. You don't have to be this huge name. You don't have to play the Brighton Dome. You could just do it to a few hundreds, and that was it. That and that, it was then that I, that that was it. It was what well, I'm. I'm gonna do this in my life. Then. You saw an opening gun rice. Yeah, and then it took a few years. What, what what happened in a few years then? What how did you end up getting your first gig? Well, I put down my name. I found out about an open mic night at the same club, Comedia. Yeah. And I put down my name a couple of times. You know, phoned up. Can I put my name down? Did it, and then I bottled it on both occasions. I just was too scared. Yeah. I didn't have it in me. And then what happened was. I, because I would go to comedia religiously every Sunday, to the point where I was going so much that the bouncers used to just let me walk in. I didn't know there was just a strange, sort of young teenager, young man. Spoken. Yeah, yeah. And if if my friends couldn't go, I'd go on my own and I'd sit at the back and just sort of take it all in. And it was like the hap- It was like the happiest and also weirdly the safest. I felt there was just this. It just felt like home, the comedia and. um and then it just got to the point where I started to be be able to sort of guess punchlines, you know, before they came and 
and then maybe sometimes would guess a punchline and, and then it would be wrong but I would think oh, actually I think what I thought was better so it's, <laughs> inadvertently learning how to write I guess yeah yeah I suppose and then and then I went to put down my name I thought right screw this I'm going to put down my name for the open mic night and do it this time and they had finished it and then there was a course they had replaced the open mic night with a comedy course so I so I thought, well, fantastic. If I do the course, there'll be no way of getting out of it. I'll have to do the gig at the end. So my mum gave me the £112, I think it was, for a 12-week course. That was it. That was taught by people from Comedia, was it? It's, it still is to this day. Taught by a woman uh, called Jill Edwards who taught like, Jimmy Carr and Hal Cruttenden and Shepi Sandy. A lot of people, yeah, they said that they came through courses. How did you find doing a course? If you were already starting to think that... Or was it just a means to get to a gig that you were able to do? It was, it was seriously, it was probably the happiest time in my life. I don't think I'll ever you sort of, that was the peak. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't even started yet. You know, I was, I don't so know, I just want to take courses. <laughs> <laughs> but I was doing it. I mean, it was a course, I hadn't done the gig yet, but. I was turning up to a thing and learning how to be a stand-up comic. Yeah. And I was with other people, you know, because you know what it's like. Before you do it, you're a bit, you're, you're the odd one out. No one wants to do stand-up. You have your friends, you go, I, th- I want to be a comedian. You're the weird one for wanting to do that. Sure, Everyone yeah. else goes, you're mad. And suddenly I was in a, in a room full of these other mad people. That also wanted to do it. Some people just wanted to do it for confidence and stuff, yeah. like, you know, at work and all that. But there were people that wanted to be stand-up comedians and and loved comedy as much as I did. And, I, and that that was that was just amazing. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Was there anybody uh, notable on your course that's still... On the it. one that I did, yeah. Not on the, the not on the first, uh, not on the first course I did. That sort of like after the twelve weeks, you could carry on, and then there were like, there's um, a, uh, one of my good friends in comedy now called Paul McCaffrey, who's one of my, he's I think he's one of the best comedians in the, the UK really, and is an incredible comedian. And um, he, we we cross paths, so yeah. He was he was he's done like Russell Howe's Good News and all sure, that stuff. Yeah. yeah. When you were, when you were doing the, going to the open mics and stuff before you start, uh, what were the, some of the names that you you started seeing there that you kind of discovered when you were just kind of going as an audience member, week by week? Well, I didn't do, you know, comedians obviously a proper circuit club, um, 
so I didn't re- I didn't really watch the open mics. I just went to comedian and watched professional okay, comedians. So yeah, I only started watching the open micers when I was doing it. Yeah, I yeah. never really. Yeah, I didn't go to pubs and watch small gigs. I only went to comedian really. So you do the twelve weeks and there's yeah. a, a graduation gig. Yes, kind of that kind of thing. Yeah, but me and my friend Jim Holland, who I got very close with, and I, I, he doesn't do it anymore. Um, and he was great. He. We he he booked us a gig. It was very naughty. We were told not to by Jill, but we did a gig before the graduation gig. Very naughty. <laughs> yeah. So where, where was that then? That was that. So this is the first gig. Yeah. Would you consider that your first gig? Or yes. Was that like a no, this was the first gig. Friendly. Absolutely. No, this is the first gig. Definitely. Uh, in a way, I remember it more than I do the one at Comedia. Okay. Um, it was at a place called the Marlborough Theatre, which was above uh, a lesbian pub uh, called, well, the Marlborough. And, uh, and um, yeah, the night was called Rabbit in the Headlights, which is still going today, which I'm, I think is great. I think that's really cool. And uh, the date was November the 24th. I keep meaning to go back to do Rabbit in the Headlights on November the 24th, but I'm always bloody booked up. That'd be nice, but, yeah. Um, 50 seater. Lovely little, tiny little theatre. Really good for comedy. You know, like a proper, just 50 seats, but an actual stage. Sure, and, yeah. And, and um, a green room and all that. Lights, production, you know. Yeah, exactly, yeah. That's a bit mad. Like, there's there's some something twisted about the fact that you need to do a first gig to prepare for your first gig. It doesn't yeah. make sense almost, but I guess... I know, I don't know. almost respective. You wanted to make sure you were ready when you went to Comedia then. It must have been. Yeah. I would just be lying if I could, if I told you why. But... I think perhaps we were so. I, do you know what? I think I, I, it's weird to try to sort of like you know dig dig deep and 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 remember. But I think it was. I think we just were so excited that we couldn't wait. I think we had got the three to five minutes that we were going to do, and I don't think that was going to develop in any way. So we just wanted to do it. Just to practice, yeah. Yeah. Something a bit better than standing in front of the mirror. Like. Yeah, exactly, yeah. How did you approach writing for that then? Was that it was a very like, kind of like formulaic based on the course? Yes, it was. Yeah. So you had your opener. Yeah. And then you you know, you closed on the, you, you the, knew where you were the going. quote uh unquote strongest bit. <laughs> <laughs> strongest yeah, it's relative, isn't it? So <laughs> it's not a lie. So you're about to go on stage. We're talking about the, the rabbits in the headlights. Yeah. You're about to go on stage yeah. now. How many how many people are we talking at, at the gig? Performers? Well, Oh, ah, uh, performers, it would have been about... Uh, now, I can't remember if there was two intervals or... No, there was one interval. I think it would have been about about ten acts. About ten acts. Yeah. Five minutes each. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any headliner into that? Or? No. And, it was, and it's still like that. There's no headliner. It's just, just proper, proper raw new acts. Great. The next... Or the act before he's on stage. They're finished. No. Up. I got the baby spot opening the second, the second section. <laughs> I got the, the golden, the dream spot, which of course, back then I had no idea that was yeah. the dream spot. Well, everybody's leaving, relaxed at the break. Yeah. Are you shitting it? Are you, are you worried? What's, how are you feeling? Seriously, I didn't say a word that day. Me and Jim met up, we met up at the Mashtun pub in Bryson, which I uh, still frequent. And um, we couldn't talk. We just we just sat there with a coke. We did. We didn't say a word. We just we we're with another guy who had done the course called George Cleary, and he 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 wasn't on the night, but he was doing the course. And we just didn't talk. I couldn't. I seriously couldn't talk. It's the most. It's the. It's definitely the most scared I've ever been in my life, without a doubt. Is there excitement in there? There had to be excitement in there as well. I couldn't tell you. All I remember is fear. 
I couldn't. I'm. I, I still lived at home, and I remember leaving my house and my, you know, my mum saying bye. I couldn't even. Did say they, bye. I just couldn't. Did she know the gig was going on? I don't know. No. I don't think I would have told. I don't think I would have told it. Did you tell anybody other than your friends you were doing with? I did tell. I. It's weird because I would never do that now. I hate friends coming to see me, but I did invite my a small bunch of you know best friends. A few, a few friends did come to the gig. Very nice. That's nice. So. MC goes up, open the second half, calls your name, yeah. you walk onto the stage. Yeah. Do you remember your opening joke? <laughs> yeah. It's always the same laugh when I ask that question. <laughs> the same laugh that they give. Am I about to do it? <laughs> you just did. <laughs> uh, no, I made the line. Oh, well, if you remember it, don't mind sharing. Okay. So, okay, I'll set it up a little bit for you. Uh, I'm 20, 21. I've got, I've only got one pair of jeans. I've only got one top, which is a checkered shirt, and it's not cool. Um, the jeans have holes in them, but not holes that you've paid for, real holes where they've just been worn out. I used to ash. I didn't really understand the concept of smell, and I used to ash, because you smoke indoors. I used to ash on my jeans <laughs> and rub it in, so I stank. I looked horrendous, much worse than I do now. And my open, so my opening line was, I look how I feel. This is so bad. I, I look how I feel. Sexy. <laughs> Straight out of the bath. That's it. I look how I feel. Sexy. Did, did you get your laugh? Yeah, believe it or not. And how did that feel then? First laugh. That's the one, when you realise that now, you, you say that line. It's amazing, isn't it? That's 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 the joke that started all of this as well. <laughs> you owe everything to that joke. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, they they laughed, and I think I knew that if they laughed at that, I think I knew I was going to be okay. Yeah, it's the reinsurance going. Okay. Yeah. I can do this now. Yeah. Any other memories of the performance while you're up there? Well, okay. I cannot remember this routine, and my friend, my friends that were there, friends that who who had uh, who since went on to do like I had close friends that, that went on to do the course after me, and we all became like comedians. Yeah, uh, that that they they we always bring it up, but we can't remember the routine. But the closing routine was everything else was still in the same sort of vain as I do stand up now but the last routine was really surreal really weird it was I had overheard a woman I can't remember but I overheard a woman say something about a zoo and then there was and then there was something to do with a penguin and then I the story was about me babysitting a penguin that I kept in my fridge and the penguin got so depressed that it uh Hanged it, hung itself or hanged itself? I can never remember. Hung itself with sausages. That was the, that, I think that was the end of the routine was that. That's the payoff. <laughs> the payoff of the routine was that the penguin killed itself in my fridge. <laughs> and I've got no recording of it. I guess when you're, when you're finding your feet, <laughs> you'll go in any direction. That's, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, and I would do the pingu theme. Okay. To sort of. <laughs> Like, so, like, he had something really dark, which was obviously a penguin committing suicide, and then I would do the pingu theme, which I can't remember now. I can't can think of it, no. I can picture his feet walking on, but I can't think of the theme. I'll edit it in. Yeah. Sof- softly in the background. YouTube it, listeners. <laughs> yeah. So, how, how did the rest of the night go? Were you able to find your voice and chat then at the end of the night? 
you saying you oh, hadn't spoken all day? Oh, that was just... Cloud I mean, Nine? you know. The Cloud Nine. There's no, just buzzing and, and sort of... That was it. I mean, I, I'd, I had lived the dream. I'd, I'd done it. I'd done a stand-up comedy gig. It was unbelievable. And it had gone well. It was, and the thing is, by the way, one thing I should mention is quite, quite amusing is that the gig uh, didn't always sell out. It's quite a quiet gig. Sometimes, you know, there'd be 10 people in. But the gig was sold out. It was 50 people sold out because one of the acts that was on had come from Bournemouth, right? And brought a coach. A coach full of people t- to watch his first gig. So the venue was packed with the, a coach of these people to see this kid do his first gig. And he died. Oh, no. I know. I know. <laughs> That's bold for your first gig, isn't it? I know. Like, Renting a coach, I imagine. <laughs> Big trip down. Okay. So you said you'd done it. You'd lived the dream. Was that it? Or was it immediately, this is the first gig? Or was that the gig like did you plan on going further and keep doing it oh yeah or did absolutely. that take a while yeah so no, straight away absolutely. well remember we had the one at the Comedia oh, to of course, come yeah, so you were you the were week there. so we knew that was gonna that was gonna come but that that was slightly different in, in that you know I say that it was you know living the dream doing the first gig but to do a gig at Comedia which is where I watched comedy mm. that had that had an extra special something did that go well based on the first one then did it help you um, I t- well, it must have done probably. You know, if you've if you've got even one gig's worth of experience, you've got something to go with. But um, yeah, and I I closed that one. That was terrifying. This is really sad, right? I I don't think I've ever sort of told this publicly. It's quite embarrassing. I don't even know if I told anyone this. To be honest, is when Jill Edwards gave us the the running order and I was closing, I walked around the block and cried. <laughs> Because I couldn't, <laughs> I just couldn't believe that. I, I don't know if I oh, thought I was the headliner. It's equal parts sweet, equal parts mental. I like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an image I have in my head now, and I'll hold on to that one. It's pathetic, isn't it? <laughs> I'll never see the big lights again without three minutes. Wondering who's around the corner. Yeah. You said you hung up with your mates that day, couldn't say a word. Yes. But let's say you, you now can go back there and you can sit down and talk to yourself and your mates. What do you think you'd say to them before they go and do their first gig? Oh my god! You almost your first thing is, oh, I wonder what everyone else has said on this bit. That's my first thought. What, what have all the other comedians said to this? Um, my god! Well, because um, <sighs> oh, f- f- all I want to say is that it's just so weightless. Is oh, first of all, film it. <laughs> um, and who has ever taken this this advice? Enjoy it. That's, sorry. Well, it's, no, it's, it's the second thing. It's the, it's the last thing that people think of. I think it takes you. I think it takes you years to actually enjoy doing it. Yeah. What the the the, the first well, first good handful of years? Fucking hell, man! Probably even like near ten years is doing it to enjoy it afterwards when you've had the gig. Oh yeah, so it's that later relief, on. Yeah. Relief, thank God. And it's taken me a very, 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 very too long a time to enjoy it up there and now I love it up there I also think that when you're starting out you know you think that there's so much depending on it I mean how I used to feel when I died like it seriously it was a dark place yeah the die and I I felt seriously useless like real real hardcore depression like 
completely just useless, worthless. I'm not good at anything. Even the thing I loved, I'm not good at that. Even the thing I thought I might, you know, have some ability doing, I, I can't even do that. I'm completely useless. And you have, you, you can't see that you'll come out of that. And then, you know, when you've been going long enough, you're doing a new material night or whatever, and it doesn't work. You go, well, but I know I'll be fine. And then as soon as you know you'll be fine, but then you don't really feel that bad anyway. Yeah. And it's taken me a long, it's taken me a long time to get to that. I mean, you must still, you've only been going three years. It was still pretty hurt. No, I got nervous today. I did, I did a nice gig today. I got nervous that, which I don't usually do. I was like, okay, I should feel this more often. But yeah, I get what you mean because you get to that point and when you're trying to reassure other people, it's like, no, it's okay that it went bad, you know? Exactly. But you feel like it's all you've got. Yeah. Or maybe, well, maybe that still applies. But, you, you know, you could, I, can, I can have a bad gig now and, and, then, and then spend my day and I'll, I'll cycle down the canals in London and go and have a nice cup of tea in Notting Hill and realise our life's all right. That's a good point to end it on there. That little image. Well, thank you very much. And thank you to Sean Walsh for joining me. Not today, a long time ago, but being my guest today on the My First Gig podcast, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. I love that memory of him going out the front of Comedia, looking up at the lights and being like, wow, I've made it. I had a similar memory. The first time I ever headlined a show, I don't know, it was maybe six months into, into gigging and... It was in a club down in Galway and I went down and I headlined, I think I did like 40 minutes and I can tell you now, I barely had five or seven, but I did 40 for a paying crowd of the weekend, thought I was fantastic, recorded the audio on my phone and then had to get the bus back to Dublin. It was a three hour bus back, but probably didn't get the bus like two or three in the morning because I had a few beers celebrating my new superstardom. And I was listening back and I was thinking, wow, this is amazing. This is fantastic. Already, I'm a headliner. Six months in, where will I be a year in? A year in, I'll be on the telly. I'll be doing Apollo. Five years in, I'll retire the greatest comedian of all time. And it was literally while having that thought and thinking, God, I must really just have the knack for this. I must just be a natural. I just open up Facebook and obviously nobody's posting at three o'clock in the morning. So there's barely any posts. I click refresh. The newest post, and it was the comedy club that I headlined earlier that night saying thanks for joining us that will be the last ever edition of the club i won't name the club but they shut down they didn't even wait till the next morning they shut down overnight and it's not like oh it was the last show we were going out with a hurrah because i remember because i have the audio and i was listening to it at the end the mc said thank you so much see you again next sunday and then i went off stage and then they talked about me and then they shut the club down so, you know, stay humble. Don't get excited because you'll have to resort to doing a podcast to get attention. What? Oh, guys, thank you so much for joining me. If you enjoyed Sean Walsh, follow him at Sean Walsh. Two ends. He's hitting the road this year with his show, Same Again, which I believe is a mixture of new bits and some of the greatest hits over the last 10 years from his different shows so be sure to check that out it's coming to uh, it's coming to many towns and i'm sure it's coming to yours check out seanwalsh.co.uk for more info if you like today's podcast go follow him at sean walsh and tell him hey heard you on the my first gig podcast then follow at my first gig pod and say hey heard sean walsh today on the podcast and if you liked hearing me follow me at Dwayne dugan follow us on social media across all social media to find out next week's guest before anybody else but until next time, I'm going to go away and be 32. Give me a nice present and tell me you liked it and leave a review. Bye.
It's the My First Gig Podcast. Whoa. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 